Working Blind, sharing the stories of working blind people from across the globe. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Working Blind. This week, I'm with Caitlin Hernandez, who is a teacher from San Francisco. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So you're a teacher, and can you tell us a bit about the students you teach, what age group, etc.? Yes, I teach um, third and fourth graders with disabilities. So that's everything from reading and learning and behavioral disabilities to students who have an identified disability um, of some sort, and we may not know precisely what it is, but they need extra help with anything from reading, writing, math, social skills, etc. And I um, pull them out of class in small groups, and or sometimes I push into their general education classrooms and support them there. And then I'm in charge of running IEP meetings, writing out their IEPs. That's individualized education program um, for students with disabilities who need um, accommodations or modifications so that they can access the general education curriculum with their peers. Okay, that's really cool. So rather than um, being a special education teacher who travels around, you actually work at a school, right? Yes, exactly. So I have all the third and fourth graders with IEPs. Um, I teach at a kindergarten through eighth grade school. So it's kind of cool because once they leave fourth grade, they actually go up into fifth grade, which is at another campus a couple blocks away, but I still get to see them. Um, So it's really nice. You kind of get the, it's very much a family feel kind of school. Um, And also, obviously, I get to keep my third graders for two years um, because they roll up to fourth and I still have them. So I really like that about the school that I teach in. How long have you been teaching there? This is my second year there, although last year I taught fifth and sixth grade at the other campus, and this time I moved to third and fourth, which is where I really wanted to be. Um, So I anticipate staying there um, for the next little while, unless something random happens in my life and I move (laughs) or something. That's really cool. And how long have you been a teacher? Is this your first full-time teaching job, or have you been doing it for longer than this? This is my technically my third year of teaching. There was a big debacle with my school district because they'd never had a totally blind teacher before. And so my first year was very fragmented. I was actually at three different schools while we tried to figure out what I would need in a reader assistant. Um, so somebody who would help me with making sure that students are being you know, physically safe um, and helping me with paperwork and all the sort of visual things that I would need assistance with as a blind person. So because it took so long to get all that squared away, even though I had already been hired, the first year was very just broken up and not ideal. So I sort of view this year as my second full year of teaching. Um, But before those first three years, if we want to count that first year as a year, I also student taught. Um, So I would say I've been, you know, teaching for the past four years or so. But again, this is what I feel my first, or sorry, my second full-time year of teaching. Wow, yeah, that first year definitely sounds quite stressful. Oh, yeah, it was not cool. (laughs) Do you think that's fairly typical for blind teachers or disabled teachers in general, that when they come into the job, there might not be a lot of understanding of what you need? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think this is probably why a lot of blind folks teach blind children, just because And even with that, I assume there are sometimes issues with people saying, well, how, you know, will you do this and that and the other thing? And is it safe? And which is so ironic, right? Because we know better than anybody what blind students need, but there's just so much 
ignorance around us being able to work and teach children. Um, I do think it's very typical and it's unfortunate, but I, I do hope that now I am seeing more blind teachers wanting to work with sighted children. So there are hopefully going to be more precedents to follow because, you know, we're doing that now and there will be other cases for incoming blind teachers to indicate to their districts. Um, it was really hard for me to find blind teachers teaching sighted children with disabilities. I think a lot of blind teachers teach either blind children or they teach general education, like they have a classroom of kids that they stick with all year and those kids do not have disabilities. Um, and so it's it's sort of an interesting case, I guess, mine, because it's not blind children, but it is disabled children who may or may not need some additional care or have other physical or behavioral difficulties that you really do ideally need a sighted person on hand to assist with just because as a blind person, you don't always know, you know, what's going on if they're, you know, nonverbal or they're acting out in a physical way that's unsafe for them or the other students. Yeah, and kids are, I don't want to say sneaky, but they know what they're doing. <laughs> they totally are, yes. And with you, when you were growing up, did you have disabled teachers as role models or what made you want to become a teacher? You know, did you see other disabled people in that career field? You know, I never had a blind teacher other than when I went to like blind camps for the summer. Like I went to a couple of technology camps and things like that. And I felt like I knew a couple of blind adults, but not really well. Um, and I definitely didn't know folks with other kinds of disabilities. And that's one thing I've really enjoyed in my adulthood is meeting people who aren't blind, but are disabled in other ways. And there's such a sense of community and like shared understanding there. Um, I think I wanted to be a teacher because I really had some wonderful teachers, um, not disabled, but who were really willing to teach me in ways that worked for me and just were very kind and inclusive. I really loved my years in elementary, middle, and high school, and I think that was largely because I had really good general education teachers and also really good Braille and mobility teachers who I'm still in touch with today. Um, so even though I didn't have disabled teachers, I would definitely say that the teachers I had just had a huge impact on me um, and I really just wanted to pay that forward and I just love kids also and my mom is a um, paraprofessional in the special education setting so I would go with her over the summer and hang out with kids in like special day classes and I just really enjoyed it and I also liked that you got to keep them over years um, and sort of watch them grow up and so that was also what drew me to special education because you get to have those sort of more intimate one-to-one uh, -one longer lasting relationships with students as opposed to you know having a class of 30 or god forbid like you know I wanted to do middle school English for a while but that's like 200 kids I was like I can't do that like you know and I just feel like I do I do my best work on you know in smaller settings when I can really get to know the students and how they learn and what they need um, and just get to know them as people and really connect to them um, that's kind of, I rely on that a lot to really forge that student-teacher relationship. Yeah, it's much more personal, isn't it, than For saying sure. you've got lots and lots of children who you you obviously like and you get to know to a certain degree, but when you're spending much more time with, with kids, you definitely get to know them a bit better. Yeah, and can, you know, really build that trust and that willingness to teach and be taught, you know, by them too, because I, I, it's so cliche, but I really do learn a lot from my kids because they come, I just I feel I feel so old like they come in and they're talking about stuff and I'm like what is this now like what is this game what is this show and like and you know just the way that they 
look at things like no pun intended like they just they see things in a way that I don't and it's really interesting to me you know asking them how are you doing this what are you thinking and just getting them to articulate that is so beneficial for me and for other students in the group because we end up doing things so many different ways like especially in math it's been such a challenge for me to do math with these visual concepts and just I have a lot of kids who are very yeah and I have a lot of kids who are very visual and so it's just it's interesting to me to see how they all learn and just to we do a lot of talking and you know sharing what our what's going on in our brains in my room and I really enjoy that. That sounds really great and when you were in school did you have access to well you mentioned braille and mobility teachers so what was your kind of education like? I was um, mainstreamed all through kindergarten through high school and obviously into college. Um, I did go to a preschool that was half special day and half general education. Um, and then I received pull-out services for Braille um, and mobility, technically all the way through high school. But really, my Braille teachers after, you know, I was probably done with Braille. I started at three. I was probably done by like seven, six or seven. And so they, they just supported with like math and making sure that I had everything in Braille um, but, you know, and then they would push in, you know, as I got older, like for math and science and things that were more visual where I needed, um, more one-to-one -one support. Um, and the mobility was just mostly, you know, pull out to learn my community and my classrooms and my, um, school and all that. Um, so yeah, I had mostly just that itinerant support. And then again, um, I went to a couple of tech things over the summer to help me with like assistive technology. That's very cool. And when you went to college, um, how did you make a decision about what college we, you were going to go to? Did you know at that point you wanted to be a teacher or were you looking at other things? Yeah, I decided um, to go on the teacher track. I think it was my sophomore year of high school when the Department of Rehabilitation works with you to make like a career plan. And so you kind of have to decide on something. And the teacher route seemed again, the most enjoyable just because I'd had some experience in the classroom and I had tutored and helped out with some camps um, with younger blind students. So I felt at home there and I felt like it would be, you know, a good choice in terms of, you know, moving on to college. Um, and then I knew that I wanted to go to UC Santa Cruz for like ridiculous reasons, mostly that I just loved the town of Santa Cruz. It's like, <laughs> this, you know, it's a really fun, like hippie, chill town. Um, and I'd grown up going to the beach boardwalk as a kid. And I liked the ice cream store, like very terrible <laughs> reasons, like <laughs> looking back. But I did go there. To choose a school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I went and visited um, and I knew that I would study. They didn't have an education major. So I knew I would just study literature because I love to write and I love to read. So I was like, okay, I'll just do literature and then, you know, I'll go to grad school later and get my master's in education and, and my teaching credential. Um, so I went and checked out the literature department a little bit and talked to their. Um, Disable or Disability Resource Center, the DRC over there, just to find out like what um, accommodations and supports I could get. And they were honest, like they hadn't had a blind student who read Braille in a really long time. I think they said like 10 years or something, but they knew what to do. Um, and, you know, we just talked it out um, and I knew that it would be a good fit. And they also had really helpful, um, they had like a transportation service for disabled students that would get you to class because it's a really rugged, huge, like woodsy campus and oh so gosh. that was probably wow. partially why they didn't yeah that was partially why I think they didn't have any blind students because no one's like cool enough to go there 
because it's just really <laughs> difficult. And I'm like terrible at mobility. So I was like, maybe I shouldn't go here. But they were like, oh no, you know, we have this service that can help you. So don't let that stand in your way. And I'm so glad I didn't because it was really just like a gem of a college. Like I think looking back, I really did have my hand held by them. Like they were so helpful that when I went to grad school, it was kind of a rude awakening. But um, <laughs> but but it was nice because I, I mean, there were, of course, some struggles, like advocating for what I needed, but they were right there to help me. And I think that really prepared me to know what I would need when I went to grad school. And then I felt more equipped to like really fight for my rights and my, you know, multimedia and all that I needed to yeah. participate in it. And also just let me enjoy college and be, you know, yes. a young adult and like learn how to live that kind of life, you know? <laughs> So, so yeah, I appreciated I mean, that. Else is getting to enjoy college, you know, and have that experience. I think exactly. We, we often see like if we don't have to advocate constantly, we were like, "Oh, I'm so lucky," and I guess we are. But at the same time, it's like oh, we shouldn't have to, you know. Right. We should be able to enjoy college and have a good time. Yeah, exactly. And you said grad school was a bit of a rude awakening. Um, did you expect it? to be accessible considering you were studying special education and was that your experience? Yeah, I mean, so I went to San Francisco State, which actually ironically houses the program that trains folks to teach blind students. And so I was like, oh, they should know what to do, right? Even though I wasn't in that program, I was in the mild to moderate disabilities program and they were great. Like the program was great. The part that was kind of weird was that so many disabled students go to that school that you were literally just a number to their disability programs and resource center. Like they did not know who I was or what I needed. Um, and, you know, when I went in there, it was just really crowded. And I was just really used to Santa Cruz where I was literally, you know, I think we had actually, we did have one other totally blind student, but they really totally knew me and knew my preferences. Oh, and I just face. felt, <laughs> right, right. We're not all the same. And, oh my God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was just different. There was nothing really wrong with it. Um, it was just, it felt very impersonal. Um, and I really had to do a lot more advocating with my professors because, um, the disability programs and resource center just was not equipped to do that. It became very clear to me that they were just very overwhelmed, um, and didn't, and didn't really, you know, they could only do so much. Um, so it went fine, but you know, it was, I, I was glad I had the time to do it. And I, I was at a commuter school at the state is not like I wasn't living on campus. So I wasn't doing all the same fun social things I did during undergrad. So I just, yeah. you know, I did all that stuff on my own time. And then I dealt with school, you know, which was fine. Yeah. And were the people on your program encouraging of you as a blind student going into special education? Yes, my professors were really excited um, and very eager to make things work. And I think, you know, they kind of had some concerns about what was going to happen further down the line, but they just did their best to teach me and equip me as best they could. And, um, you know, they observed my student teaching. Um, yeah, they were really helpful and encouraging. I actually started grad school initially at Santa Cruz to teach English. And those folks were not encouraging. They were like, how will you be a blind teacher? Like, what's going to, you know, how, what it, if they actually said if they could not find me a student teaching placement, then I would have to leave the program. And I was like, well, are you saying, <laughs> I know. And I was like, are you saying that to your sighted, non-disabled students? They're like, well, no, we just don't know if anyone's going to, you know, want to have you as a student teacher because it's a liability. And so oh, that was one of the, I know, that was one of the reasons why I left because 
it was just like, instead of, you know, trying to work with me, they were really just like, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? They weren't actively helping me find solutions. And again, I was like, I feel like I would deal with that much differently now because I'm older and I'm more equipped to know how to fight these battles. But, you know, when you just finish undergrad, like you're just learning how to adult. And I was just like, if they don't want me here, I'm leaving. (laughs) Right. You know? (laughs) And like in hindsight, I think that was a good choice because it really got me to pause and think about again, what, why do I want to be a teacher? Do I really want to have like 200 students and teach to the test? Because really that's what, you know, high school English has become, you know, it's not, you don't unfortunately get to, you know, choose your books and sit around and have really cool conversations and write stories with kids. You're teaching them the things they need to know to pass these tests. And I mean, obviously, that's drastically oversimplifying it, but it just because they were so sort of narrow minded about my wanting to be a teacher, it just really got me to think, like, do I want this badly enough to really fight this battle? And I was kind of like, no, like, maybe I won't actually even really enjoy it as much as I think I will. And maybe this other program would be a better fit at SF State. Yeah, and I guess in the end, you found you know, a job that you actually like. So probably yeah, out. I mean, right. Who knows? I might have really liked teaching high school English, but I don't yeah. think so. I, I really feel like I made the right choice and I'm definitely really happy where I am now. And mm-hmm. it's sort of amazing to me, like to look back at, you know, the long road to get here and to finally be like, you know, I finally found it and I have a wonderful reader assistant and it's just, it's sort of surprises me to realize that finally I'm like coasting along smoothly because it did feel like a really long road, but it's worth it. I found it. Yeah. And what kind of, so you say you have a reader who assists you. Is that kind of the only accommodation you have in your job or do you make use of different adaptations? Um, So I have my reader assistant. So she again helps, you know, make sure that everyone is, physically safe. Um, for some, you know, kids who are not as verbal, she'll in prompt me, you know, oh, it looks like this person is, you know, stuck or they're on this problem or whatnot. Um, but mostly, obviously, you know, the kids are old enough um, that they'll tell me themselves and they know, obviously, if they raise their hand, I'm not going to notice. So, you know, yeah. they just, you know, they speak up. Yeah. So, um, but it's, it's also just helpful to have another pair of eyes in the classroom to make sure that everybody's doing okay. Because some of my group's you know, are kind of big. I think my biggest is like six students at a time. So it can, it can get a little wild sometimes. Um, Cause you know, at the end of the day, they're little kids and they, like you said, they're sneaky and they do, they do ridiculous things. Um, and then I just have, you know, my technology. So I have a laptop um, that like at the, everybody um, at our district can apply for a district issue laptop. So I just loaded um, NVDA onto it. Um, so I use that screen reader and I have a braille note touch that my district got so I mostly just use that um, all day long to like read along with them and keep notes on their progress and um, do all that Um, I'm trying to think what else Um, my principal is fantastic my whole admin is just great and they you know try to obviously like email me stuff electronically like for staff meetings and things like that so that I can keep up Um, it's yeah it's I feel like there's not really a ton of accommodations, honestly. Like, obviously, there's stuff that I can't access, like, if it's, you know, printed materials. But then I do have a scanner, so I can scan it. Or I just have, you know, my reader go over it with me. But there's really, you know, once you have your materials and, like, your classroom set up and you kind of get into a groove, it's not 
I think people really think that teaching is such a visual thing. And like, to some degree, of course, like it is and like everything seems that way to a sighted person. But it's really at the end of the day, like it sounds schmaltzy, but it's just about like getting to know the kids and how they learn and like being willing to think outside the box and do things in different ways. And I think that as a disabled person, like that's just so intuitive to me, like I do things differently, too. So it's not, it's not really very difficult for me. Um, it's, you know, and luckily I've had parents who are really chill and they're excited to have a disabled teacher, you know, teaching their kids and being a role model. And I'm really happy that I can do that because again, I didn't have any disabled teachers and I wish that I had. Um, I think it's kind of comforting to them to see that I do things differently and that sometimes I get real confused with the math and like I struggle with things and because we all do, you know, and like, Oh God, yes. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I think it's, it's helpful in a lot of ways um, for them to have a disabled teacher. I think there's sort of this intimacy and comfort that kind of comes from them knowing that I really understand where they're coming from a lot of the time, even if our challenges are different. Yeah, and do do you think being blind does help you empathize with your students more than, not necessarily more than a teacher who isn't disabled, but maybe on a more specific level? I do. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting because like you said, like kids are still kids and they're going to, you know, do ridiculous things. But at the end of the day, like I I do know that they empathize with me as I do with them. And there is this, you know, they're often very helpful and very understanding. And I just love how they'll explain like visual things or like what they're drawing or what they're building for math or they'll have me touch it. Like it's just very sweet and heartwarming and our school has just this really nice like climate where I feel and I'm not going to claim that it's all me because it's not like we do a lot of you know (laughs) cold there's a lot of like culture around you know ask somebody first before you move their stuff or before you touch them or things like that but I just do feel like there's this heightened level of intuitiveness where you know they they kind of are more aware of like other people's needs around them and there's really no you know, teasing or anything like that in my classroom, even when people are struggling. And I I hope that that carries over into the general education setting, too. It's just, it's cute when I walk out of school, like, they all kind of, you know, they say hi, but they know that I'm fine. And like, I think a lot of other, you know, when I visit schools that aren't mine, like, students are, you know, often very concerned, or they're just kind of, they don't know how to react. Um, And I think I've just kind of become a fixture of the school and everybody's just like, Oh, that's just Miss Caitlin. Like, see you later. You know, like it's, it's just nice. Oh, it's hard great. to describe. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's great sometimes when people kind of are obviously aware of your blindness and respectful of it, but also don't make a huge deal out of it. You know, exactly. it's okay. Well, blind. Like we acknowledge that we do things differently, but Hey, she's also our teacher and I'm sure she knows how to get home. Right. Yeah, I just, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel just like part of the scenery, which is really nice. And it's, it's kind of refreshing after being honestly with adults, because <laughs> adults make such a scene out of it, you know, and kids really don't. They're just like, what's the big deal? Like, she just does things a little differently. It's fine. You know, it's, yeah. it's funny sometimes to hear them like, tell off the adults who are like, trying to <laughs> overhelp. And they're like, she's fine. Like, what are you like making a scene about? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> And what do you kind of think of your plans for the future? I mean, you said you intend to stay at that school. Do you see yourself this being your ultimate career as being a teacher? I mean, it sounds like you're really happy with it. So, Yeah, I do really love it. Um, I don't know. Like anything, of course, is possible. But 
I definitely think that I'm in the right place in terms of special ed and also this um, grade level. So who knows? I I don't know. I live in San Francisco right now, and it's ridiculous, like how expensive housing is. Um, and I, I right, and I live with my dad now, um, which is nice. But I would definitely like to be on my own. So I'm in the process <laughs> now of well, you know, I need my space, and for him Still not to judge me, in case he listens. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, when I eat ice cream at like midnight, I don't need him like oh, being yeah. like, "What are you doing with your life?" Oh, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking into um, housing in San Francisco, but you know, if that doesn't pan out, I could see myself like moving to Berkeley or somewhere. Um, and I know in Berkeley they require, you know, like a certificate in autism, which I don't have. So who knows? Like if I need to move, I might stumble on some other kind of teaching or, you know, want to try general education. Who knows? I really don't know, but I definitely want to stay in education. I just love kids and I love going to work every day. Um, I also love to write and people are always afraid that I'm going to want to become a full-time author. But if I do that, I feel like I wouldn't have anything to write about. So, you have um, to become really famous to become a full-time author. Well, anyway. right. That's, you know, I don't know why people think this, but yeah. So that's, <laughs> it really doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> exactly. So writing will just be my side hustle, um, hopefully for the next while. Because um, I, I do really love it and I do really want to write. Um, young adult and middle grade books um, for and about kids with disabilities, um, but also just, you know, kids without disabilities and just about various things. So, but yeah, that I, that I hope will continue as well, but not, <laughs> that's, I have no lofty ambitions about turning that into my full-time career at all. <laughs> well, I guess if you do, I'll come back and interview you about that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting because it is it's true that like that in itself is a whole it is a full time job like to try and find an agent and an editor. And it is I'm already like really struggling like with all the visual aspects of that, like the formatting and you really have to like hustle on Twitter and like do all this stuff. It's really stressful. So another reason I'm just sitting here shaking my head being like, I'm so glad I'm not trying to do this for my yeah. like <laughs> life for sure. Yeah, and then you'll have to have an author website. And... Oh, Lord. I know. I was just going <laughs> to hire some, like, young person to do all this. They can pretend to be me. <laughs> okay, well, if Caitlin ever gets a Twitter, we can all spell us out wondering if it really is her or not. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. That's true. I've said it here first. Yeah. It might not be me. <laughs> and if you had someone come to you say, you know, I'm a blind person, I want to get into teaching, kind of what? would your advice be for them? Ooh, I would definitely say make sure you find a school that really wants you there um, and is willing to help you. I just, I was really touched by how the folks at my school were so, they were like ready to fight before I needed them to fight. Like they were like, <laughs> listen, great. ask the district, right, they were great. They're like, ask the district for things you don't need. And if they don't give it to you, like we're still going to fight with them. Like get everything. We are here. We want you here. Let us know, please, like what you need because we don't know, but we will get it for you. And that was just, you know, such a change for me after that really frenetic and ridiculous first year. Um, I worked with some wonderful people that year, but they didn't know what to do and I didn't know what to do. So it was really nice to kind of feel like my current administration was like taking the reins and they were ready to help me steer. So I would definitely say, you know, when you interview, if they're throwing out phrases like, how are you going to do this? And are you going to be able to do that? Maybe think twice. Because you really yeah. want people who are saying, we want you here and we're going to make this work. 
and you know talk to me about what you need and how we can work together to get this done um but it's so it's and it's you definitely just need to find your people like your colleagues that will you know be helpful to you um obviously finding you know if you need a reader assistant depending on you know your needs and your what you're teaching and your level of vision and just your preference because not not everyone needs one my district is very you know they worry about a lot of things and I worry about a lot of things and if one thing were to happen you know to a student on my non-watch I don't want to get fired so that was largely <laughs> you know so that you know because that's that's the reality right if, if something happens I'm not only getting myself in trouble but I'm setting a bad precedent for other blind teachers and saying you know things can happen so I'm just I feel very cognizant of that um but when you, you know you're probably student. under a bit more scrutiny, whether that's right oh, or not. Oh, for sure. Yes. And I could tell you stories about that, but I won't because I'll probably get in trouble. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's true. Yes, we are under so much scrutiny. And I'm so glad that my administration does not do that. And they don't hover and they don't worry about, you know, what's going on in my classroom. Um, because, you know, they let the students speak for themselves and the kids are saying they're learning and it's fine. So, um, but anyway, if you need a reader assistant, it's really great if you can find if you can be on a part of that interview process and find someone that you feel will be a good fit and that you really know what supports you do and don't need and you're able to find a person who's on board with that and who will re be respectful and um just sort of let you steer and be the boss of your classroom and they're just there to fill in the gaps um it's really great when you can find a person who jives with you and is fantastic like my reader but she's mine can't have her <laughs> <laughs> okay so blind people you're gonna have to find your own that's <laughs> right not her reader. <laughs> no i'm not well thank you so much for sharing that advice and also for appearing on the podcast it's definitely been really interesting getting to talk to you about your work and find out a bit more about you know how you got there and what you're doing now you are a teacher oh thank you so much for having me and yes it is a wonderful career path i highly recommend it we need more <laughs> blind and disabled teachers we really do so if you feel like that's your calling i say go for it oh thank you so much it was really really great to hear from you thanks holly appreciate it thanks for listening to working blind if you like the podcast please subscribe for more of my advocacy initiatives, including my blog, visit my website, http colon slash slash catchthesewords.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at catchthesewords. That's C-A-T-C-H-T-H-E-S-E-W-O-R-D-S. If you have any comments or feedback, please email me holly at catchthesewords.com.